0: You know, when I was younger, I, I'm, I was by no means the model Christian by any means. But but uh, I did attend church. My mom and dad took me to church. I was able to, God, they put me as close to Christ as they could before Christ came and found me. Because Christ is one who's seeking folks. And uh, so I was very blessed to have parents who did that for me. Uh, Christ saved me in a young age. That did not keep me from making sinful uh crazy choices even though I know I was saved by the grace of God at a younger age. Um in uh April, if you'll show that picture, my senior portrait, uh yeah. That's uh that's me, my senior year. You're probably thinking, where did that guy go? Uh somewhere about a hundred pounds ago, that was me. Um <laughs> No, no kidding, I probably weighed about 160 pounds right there. That's probably about more like 60 pounds ago. But anyway, um, if you notice underneath there, there is a long quote. Mine was probably the longest quote of anybody because you get senior quotes. I don't know if they even let kids do that anymore because it's so scary what some kids they put in there. But um, <clears throat> I was a big DC Talk fan. Anybody ever heard of DC Talk? Okay, just a few of you in the room. All right. That that stood for Decent Christian Talk, DC Talk, okay? And from that, you've got three artists that are still putting out, well, one artist really that's only putting out music, and that's Toby Mac. Some of you have heard of Toby Mac. Toby Mac was a part of that, another fellow named Michael Tate, another fellow named Kevin Max who went off the rails and deconstructed. But anyway, um, (laughs) the first, when they were DC Talk, they put out some good music. Well, one of the lyrics, and I used it as a quote, it was a whole thing, and it says, underneath there it says, Kamikaze. By death there is gain, marked by my maker a peculiar display. The high and lofty they see me as weak, because I won't live and die for the power they seek. That was one of the lines from DC Talks' song called Jesus Freak. That was my senior quote. That's what all that gibberish looks like underneath my name right there. Anyway, you can get away from that slide now. I tried to look so serious in those pictures, you know. Why so serious? Anyway, Psalm chapter 24, looking at verses 1 through 10, that's where we're going to be today. We're talking about representing the king, and I'll show you all that because I hoped and believed that at some point in my life, people could look back and they say, you know what, Blake Prater, although far from perfect, he tried to represent the king. I I really did. Um, But I also had my teenager self that I had to deal with, and other people did too. And uh, being a youth minister for as long as I have been, a lot of that hasn't gone away. <laughs> uh, but but um, to die, to this morning, we're looking at Psalm chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. Um, and I'm going to read this with you. I'm going to read all the way through. I'm going to try to condense three sermons into one, okay? Uh, the first two, I preached. Another fellow named Josh Hall, who's a good friend of mine, uh, he preached the third one. Uh, but I'm going to look at it from a little different angle than how Josh saw it that down there at camp. Psalm chapter twenty four, beginning in verse one, it says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, Who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully? He shall receive blessing from the Lord, and he shall receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So as we read this today, this is a psalm of David, and it's in my Bible, and it tells it the King of glory and his kingdom. And so what I want to look at today is how we can represent this king. So much in this passage of scripture is explaining who the king is, where the king is, why the king is where he is, how he is at that location, and then how do we get there? How do we be able, how are we able to stand in the presence of a holy God? Well, the first talks, it starts off in Psalm 21, 1 and 2, 24, 1 and 2. And uh, I entitled that, uh, The King's Authority. The King's Authority. And he is a great and mighty king. Just as our students quoted earlier, earlier, this comes very much from Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then from John 1, 3. And he made, and all things were made through him, and nothing that was made was made. John 1, 3. These verses help to, from Old Testament to New Testament, with this all condensed in the middle in the psalm, is talking about the creative power of God and His authority over all things. When we think about God's creative power, this is something that's blown my mind. I may have mentioned it here. I may have mentioned it down on Wednesday nights. But when we think about God's creative power, when there was nothing but God, nothing obeyed God. When God spoke, nothing became something. That's some amazing amazing obedience, right? When there was only God, there was Him and He alone. And He said, let there be light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when He said that, time, space, and matter all just began. At the speaking of His voice, nothing, even nothing obeys God. So when we read in the New Testament, when when the disciples or the apostles were amazed, they said, even the wind and the waves obey Him. That's secondary. Nothing obeyed Him to begin with. And from nothing became something, something so ordered, so beautiful, so sinless initially that God said it was good. And God created all these things. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Everything is His. He is the sovereign God. There's nothing outside of His control. People may say, well, the world is getting worse and worse. Don't you realize that's kind of God's plan? If you've read Revelation, you know things are going to get worse and worse before He comes back. People say, there's no God. Look at how bad the world is. There is a God. Look how bad the world is. Because before Christ comes back, things are gonna get really bad. If it if it was, you know, if it was God's world with no sin, we'd still be in Eden. That's not where we are, are we? No, we're not. But everything that's in the world is God's, and everything's working toward the end goal of what God has established. The scripture even tells us that even in the middle of this book, Or not in the middle of the book, but at the beginning of the new covenant, that the new covenant is Christ, Jesus died for us. All of time is surrounded by the man, Jesus Christ. Every bit of it. God knew that. Scripture tells us from the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain, He knew that was coming. God, everything, the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Every mechanic of the world, the sun rising, the sun setting, the moon controlling the the, the tides and how far the, the ocean could come and all that kind of stuff. It's all by God's grand design. It's not just happenstance. Science wants you to believe some parts of science. I don't want to throw all of science under the bus. But there's many in the, sci- in the scientific world that want you to believe that the world evolved over ages. Where are, those, where are the signs of that? Somebody, please, go get me a half man, half monkey. Somebody get me a half tadpole, half, half uh, rat. Somebody go get me one of those. I want to see it, okay? Because you know what? There is no such thing. There is no such thing. It's a fallacy of the atheist who wants you to believe that there is no God. There's, there's nowhere around that you'll find those things. Everything was created in God, by God, through God, uh, for His glory and for Him alone, through Jesus. Better way of saying that. Everything was created by Him. You won't find any of those things because God created the earth in all of its fullness. Everything was made, just like man, Adam and Eve. They were made as full man and woman. Why is that? Because procreation had to happen so that man could multiply on the earth. That's how God made it. Made it, in its, made it in its fullness. And then he made it so that it may progress. Every, uh, every field, uh, every uh, flower, every uh, fruit bearing with its own seed of its own kind. We can get into a whole lot of detail of that. But I'm not going to stay there too deep. Because like I said, this is three sermons into one. And, and so it's made after its own kind. God made it exactly how he wanted it to be made. And he made no mistake. He made no mistake. He made no mistake then. He makes no mistake now. There's no individual born, no individual conceived that was a mistake. It's all part of God's plan. And like I said, it, you know, we may say, oh, but some of this stuff's bad. Yes, but it, it may be that that's all part of God's plan. All of it's part of God's plan. It's very difficult for us to comprehend these things it really is very difficult for us to comprehend these things but when he created these things he created them with all this in mind that his son was going to come and be the sacrifice in our place for our sins and he he, he made all these things already knowing the outcome that the son was going to return at some point in history at some point in time and redeem and bring back the people that are his he knew that was coming so god when we look at this, in verses 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's, all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Some translations say he founded it upon the, or established it upon the rivers. I can't remember if I'm looking here in my notes. Um, it's an interesting thought there. Um, here it is. Uh, the second verse focuses on Genesis 1, 6 through 13. And it's story of the firmament. The division of the waters and the appearance of dry land. According to the Old Testament, the earth rests upon the ocean. Psalm uh, 136.6. Thus the waters, literally the plural of river, would be the currents of the seas or the underground streams. That's by Donald Williams of the Communicators Commentary uh, that has given us that insight. So it's God has created all these things. He's created it for you and I. The order of the earth. We are the only habitable planet for mankind. And when God made us, he said, it's very good. So I want you to understand, this earth was created for us. It was created for us to bring glory to him. It was created for us to bring glory to him. And God is the creator. The second, second point I wanted to bring out today is the king's representatives. The king's representative. Look at verses 3 through 6. And what are the characteristics of those representatives? What are the characteristics? So let's read here verses 3 through 6. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? It is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Nor sworn deceitfully. And what's going to come to those people? What's going to come to the king's representatives? He shall receive blessing from the Lord. And the righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob. The generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face. Now. Now. We know God is high and lifted up. Who can come into the presence of the king to worship him? It is those who are his and represent him through their worship. Worship is not a Sunday morning alone activity, but worship is submission to the ruler of one's life. Worship is submission to the ruler of one's life. For many of us, Jesus Christ is not the ruler of our lives. It's something I put in our notes. When we submit to self we see our happiness is the highest priority. So we worship that. We worship ourselves. So happiness, our happiness is our highest priority. When we submit to others, we see acceptance as the highest priority. When we submit to the world, we see compromise and culture is the highest priority. But in our scripture today, in this scripture, it points to the highest priority being in the presence of the King. Being in the presence of the King, the presence of God. And we'll see how we can ascend and stand there. We ascend and stand there very much through many of the scriptures that we've been looking at in Hebrews, right? We could stand there because the blood of Christ has been applied to our account. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace. It is not of ourselves that we could stand there because we're tainted, we're sinful. But when the blood of Christ has been applied to our account, we can stand in the presence of a holy God. If not, we're going to be like those on the other side of death at the end of time when Scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. They're not saying it for the, for the pathway to heaven. They're saying it because it's just fact. <laughs> Something I said at camp that, that I didn't have my notes that I thought was just, the Lord just gave it to me was, They're going to say it out of fact. We've got to say it out of faith so that we can get to heaven. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Faith. If we say that Christ is Lord, if we say that He is who He is by faith right now, then I ain't got to worry about how I'm going to say it then. I'm just going to be confessing something I've said for years and years and years and years. But for those that are in hell, those that have died apart from Christ, it's going to be the first time they've said it. And they're going to say it because a full reality of who Christ is will be very clearly before their eyes. And there's nothing else they're going to be able to say. They're not going to be able to have faith. Because that's faith isn't going to save them at that point. Because our faith will become sight when we, become, when we die and go to heaven. Just as their, their lack of faith will become their sight. They'll see it. They're gonna believe. But at that point, it ain't gonna matter. They're gonna have the same type of belief the demons have. They're gonna have the same type of belief the demons have. They believe that Jesus is Lord, but they, they ain't confessed him as their Lord. Obviously. So who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? It's he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. Now listen, that's not talking about people who like to, who just Pump that antibacterial stuff and that alcohol in their hands all the time. It's not talking about physical hands, okay? That's not what it's talking about. It, it's, it's talking about those who have not done things uh, vile, who have not shed blood or injured or have created injured relationships. That's what that's talking about. It's talking about people who are, are a blessing to others, those who are not a cursing to others, those that are, are uh, not. Putting their hands to to idle work. Those that are putting their hands to the work of the Lord. Now listen, even believers can do that. Even believers can put their hands to idle work. We've got to put our hands to positive work. Work of the Lord. When I say positive, I don't mean like just positive thinking. I'm talking about making a positive difference for the kingdom of God. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about making a positive difference for God. So when we look at this, this clean hands and those with a pure heart... It's those who commit themselves fully to the Lord as evidenced in the strength of character, transparency, and selflessness. And then in Psalm 51.10, the, the psalmist cries out, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. A loyal spirit is a spirit that is not distracted or given itself to someone else. We think of somebody who's loyal to a team. Someone who's loyal Man, I'm I'm not going to just jump on the bandwagon. I'm not just there for the moment. I'm there for the good times and the bad. I'm loyal. I'm committed. You think about a husband and wife in a relationship. They're loyal to one another. I'm committed in the good times and the hard times. I'm loyal. Listen, we are the bride of Christ. This building's not the bride of Christ. We are. So in the good times and the bad times, we stick to the groom. We stick to Jesus. We are loyal to Him. He is the one who has saved us. He is the one who has redeemed us. Not me. Not a Sunday school teacher. Not anything like that. We are loyal to Christ. And to He alone. Renew a steadfast heart. Create a Created me a pure heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. And that says create in Psalm 51.10. That's beyond my capabilities. I can't create a new heart in me. I don't have that power. I don't have that authority. The creator is the one who creates. Now I may assist in the sanctification process. I may choose to, Lord, help me step away from this sinful temptation. Lord, keep me from this or keep me from that. But I can't create a new heart. Only God can do that. So when the psalmist wrote that, which I'm pretty sure that's David, but I'm not flipping back over there because I'm trying to stay pretty much to my point here. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. That's how it says that in the New Living Translation. When we look at that. And then what will come to those? What will come to those who have a clean hand and a pure heart? One of the songs we sang at camp uh, was, Give Us Clean Hands. Give us pure heart. Let us not lift our souls to another. O oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O oh God of Jacob. We sing that song and we, we sing that with, with an understanding of what that means. It means a purity of spirit when we sing those songs, when we sing those lyrics. So, but what shall those who have this clean hand, who have uh, the pure heart, who has not lifted up their soul to an idol or swore deceitfully, what shall they receive? They're going to receive blessing from the Lord. Isn't that what we want? We want blessing from the Lord. I don't, listen, I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be where God's face is shining on me, where God's favor is. When you read throughout the, the the Old Testament and all these type things, when we when we read this, we think about uh, favor being turned on to us and His face shined on us. There's times in Scripture where God has has uh, turned His face away; He has turned their face away. And so, when we think about these verses, we want God's favor to be on us. We want His blessing to be upon us. So many times, people say blessing means means happy are those, happy are those, happy are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. But blessed is so much more than just a happiness. Blessed is so much more than a happiness. They shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. When it's talking about righteousness, that's a right walk with God when we are desiring those pure hands, when we're desiring those clean hands and, those pure, and that pure heart, when we're desiring a God over idols, and we talked at length about how many different things become idols in our lives. For many of us, it's our phones. It may be sports for our kids. It may be family. It may be a, a plethora of different things. But when all these things become greater in our, our focus than Christ, it's It's idolatry. We don't want to call it that. It's idolatry. And if you read through the Old Testament, so many folks got in a lot of bad trouble with God over idolatry. We wonder why our churches aren't growing. We wonder why our families aren't getting uh, better, why things aren't getting better. It's because we got idols in our lives. And we've given ourselves over to idols. We've not given ourselves over to Christ. Listen, we've got to have clean hands, pure hearts, not lifting our souls to an idol and, and making sure we, have, we speak with integrity, not sworn deceitfully. We speak with integrity. That needs to be named of us. When I think of us in the job place, in the workplace, and, you, and you've got coworkers with you, what are they saying of you? What do they say? What do they say? What have they said? For many of you, what have they said? What are people saying of you currently? Are you a person with integrity? Am I a person with integrity? We've got to evaluate our lives and constantly lay that before the Lord. God, show me, which is a scary thing to do. I'm just telling you it is. But you say, God, show me. Much rather me be chastised and disciplined by you than for me to bring shame and disgrace upon your name in the public. Because he's going to love me when he disciplines me. He's going to love me when he chastises me. But the world, they don't care. They don't care about me. They don't care about Christ. And if they have any, many a times, if they have any opportunity to defame, to, to degrade the name of Christ, oh, they going to take it. All it takes is one sentence taken out of context. One sentence, one word, one saying. It don't take much. But we'll receive blessing from the Lord. And we'll receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. In verse 6, Matt and I talked about this. Different translations say it weird. You know, uh, it, it kind of can be confusing. But, but the gist, the, the thing that does not change in almost every one of them, it might change where it puts God of Jacob or this is Jacob or all that kind of stuff. But the, but the meat of that verse is saying this. This is the generation of those who seek him. This is the generation of those who seek him. It's those who have clean hands, a pure heart, who've not sworn deceitfully and have not lifted their souls to an idol. This is that generation. And it doesn't mean that Psalms, David wrote this a long time ago. Right? This was a long time ago. Long before my parents ever thought of me. Long before your parents thought of you. It's a long time ago, okay? But I'm going to tell you this. We can be a part of that generation. We can be a part of that generation. And then finally, verses 7 through 10 Verses seven through ten. As we look at this passage of scripture, we see um, we see the king's traits. Lift up your head, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The king of hosts. He is the king of glory. What is this? This is. It's, it's, it's an echo back and forth, seven and eight, excuse me, seven and uh, nine uh, cries out these things, and eight and ten are the answers to these things. And it's like, what, what this is, is very symbolic, it's the message of how a warrior king has come back from battle, victorious, and he has come back, and they've opened up the gates, And here comes the triumphant entry of the warrior king who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he's coming through. And on this side, they're saying... Who is this king of glory? He is mighty in battle. He is strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? On this side, they said, He's the king of hosts. He's the king of glory. They're shouting back and forth. For many of you, uh, some of you are in my generation, and you remember in Star Wars when they're coming in and Luke Skywalker and, and Princess Leia, they're coming in and they're shouting, they give everybody a, a medal except for Chewbacca, which I never understood that. But they they gave them all a medal. And, and like they're shooting and they're blowing the trumpets and they're excited and there's ticker tape parades and all that kind of stuff like that. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the King. This is who he represent. The One who is mighty in battle and He's strong to save. And He is the King of glory. That's who He is. And we have, we have, we have caged the lion. We've caged the lion. And we've said... He can't do this. This isn't, this isn't that. This is the king of glory. Listen, we have no power to cage him. We have no power to cage him. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the great king. He is mighty in battle. and, And he is never lost. You know, I root, listen, I'm an Alabama fan. You know what I'm saying? I'm an Alabama fan. But you know what? We've lost some games from time to time. You know what? But I still root for them. For some of you, you root for the other team at the south end of the state. Bless your hearts. And, and you know, you, you've had to deal with, with that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You've had to deal with that a little bit. And, and, but you know what? One day, Nick Saban's going to retire, and we're going to be in a heap of trouble. But, but the bottom line is this. I mean, we had, we had our time. Remember Tuberville was around? Whooped us about six years in a row. Nobody wants to remember that right now. But I want to to tell you this. Regardless of where you are in that, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've got the, the undefeated champion of the world, of the universe. You've got the king of kings. You've got the king of glory. You've got the Lord of hosts you got the one who is strong and mighty in battle. He is coming back. He's battle tested. I mean, he's faced down the three worst enemies. Way worse than Arkansas, Mississippi State, or Ole Miss. He's faced down death, hell, and the grave. And defeated them all. Defeated them all. They didn't stand a chance. Just when they thought they were victorious, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And he said, you know what? You may think you've done something, but I've completed the work. He said, it is finished. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of glory. And the next time, the next time he gets up to go somewhere, he's coming for us. The next time he gets up to go somewhere, he's coming for us. If that don't excite you, I don't know what does. I'm telling you, we need to be excited about a king of glory. We need to be excited about the king of kings. And since we are still here, we need to represent him. We got to represent him. We need to be an island of heaven in the midst of hell. That's what we need to be. We need to be an island... Of heaven in the midst of hell. We've got to go tell people about this king of glory. We need to be telling people about who Jesus is. What he's done. And what he has done for them. Whether they realize it or not. Whether they accept it or not. we got to tell them what he's done for them. He has died the death that they couldn't die. He's lived the life they couldn't live. And he's coming back like we ain't even going to be able to comprehend. That's what he's done. And that's what He's going to do. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, if you don't know Him as your King, today needs to be that day. Today needs to be the day that you say, I want to give my life to the King of Glory. I want to give my life to the one who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you know what? We're going to try to celebrate like they do in heaven when the King of Glory comes back. Now, granted, we ain't got no ticker tape stuck up in the ceiling tiles that's going to come down when you come to faith. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to celebrate and shout because all the angels... Are up there around the throne of God just waiting for the day that somebody comes to faith in Christ. And I'm telling you, I want to celebrate with them.